The information contained on this platform represents the opinion of the host and shall not be understood, construed as or a substitute for medical or health advice. Please see a health professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. What's good, 365ers? Jackie Page, um, certified personal trainer, Zuba instructor, nutrition coach, so on and so forth. And I want to welcome you to another episode of the Black Health 365 podcast with my co host. Yo, what's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Really good to be here, Jackie. Britt Daniels, fit life coach, yogi at heart, personal trainer, kickboxer, all the things just like you, serial entrepreneur. Uh, it's super exciting to be on here. Um, I just want to give a major apologies to our listeners, 365ers. Um, we're talking about Black Health 365. I was sick last week, and so we had you a big were. homie, Samuel Tatum, to show up for us. So I'm stepping into really big shoes to cover his uh, <laughs> what he started with. But I am your co-host with Jackie, and yeah. Uh, we're here to talk about health and every single aspect of it. So I'm really excited for today's conversation. I low-key forgot that you were sick, like, the last two <laughs> weeks. Like, I was going through it. I was going through it. Yeah. yeah. I, and it's, it's that time of year. Like, people yeah. are getting sick. Yeah. Um, wash your hands. Social distance. Like, Got to remind people to do that. But no, <laughs> it is that time of year. But what I'm happy, and we talked about this during the last two episodes that you did, is you took some time to really get mm-hmm. better. Um, yeah. And that's important. It's important. And, you know, us as trainers, us as public figures, you know, we have to always sometimes... We- you don't have to, but there's this somewhat of an expectation that we have to always show up perfect, but we get sick, we get tired, we get burnt out. And, you know, I think Samuel brought up in a lot of conversation is like, how many people show up to work sick? And why right. are you doing that to yourself? Like, why do we have a culture where people think they have to show up to work sick? That ain't it, dog. Right. <laughs> like, Wait, are you trying to time. drop a, a derma talk already? Like, Let me go ahead and drop the knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Wait, so wait, 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 wait. Before like you drop the knowledge, like okay, okay. Tell, tell the 365ers what derma talk is. I know what it is, kind of yeah. So what, what is a derma talk? So I'm a yogi at heart. I began my yoga practice out in Japan. And you know, when I began my yoga practice, there's these things, these we call Dharma talks. It comes from Eastern tradition. It's basically a little small sermon, a little small affirmation before you start any type of conversation or practice. Something that's just to set the tone to get everything going. And so today's Dharma talk is life meets you where you are at. And I say that to say sometimes in life we we feel like things need to be going a certain way, but life happens. And so you need to give yourself grace. Um, and respond, not react to situations. You know, I think a lot of people operate from a space of knee-jerk reactions, but when you understand that life happens and you you can step into a space where you can move from mindfulness and just respond versus, oh, this is this and this is that. So that requires a level of self-inventory and self-introspection. Um, and yeah. Hold on, wait a minute. You using SAT words right now. So if I, <laughs> listen, I got the inventory, but what was that other word? Self what? Intr- introspection. You think about how you think and think about how you process, you know what I'm saying? And, and that's gonna okay. give you a better toolkit to access the world around you. So yeah. Come on with the Dharma talk. Okay, let's let's get it. Let's get it. Let's We're get it. We're gonna do that every episode now. Every episode. I legitly felt that in my spirit. I did. <laughs> There it is. And and so taking a conversation from there, we have a really who I don't know if I even use the word heavy, a heavy topic today. Right. I don't want to call. 
call it heavy. Um, mm. It may be a little emotional. Um, right. Let's call it real. And let's, let's call, call it, it transparent. We don't, in the Black community, we don't, I don't think we're transparent enough. I don't think we're real enough with ourselves. So, um, you know, let's let's change the lens on this a little bit and say that this is going to be a transparent and a really real conversation because, um, you know, what we're trying to do in this podcast uh, with you, the 365ers, is to be as real and as tra- transparent as we can be when it comes to Black health to make sure, and I'm going to say this in every episode, that we take back our community because we have lost hold of our community and it's time to take it back. So um, we're going to say transparent and real conversation. Um, And this one actually hits close to home for me. Um, Mm -hmm. It's so October is Breast Cancer Awareness Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Um, and I think we all have kind of noticed that um, breast cancer is affecting Black women and men more than it ever has. Um, so um, when I say that this episode is, is hits home for me, it really does, because um, our guest today is a breast cancer survivor. I have known this woman Literally for like the last five years, I consider her to be a big sister to me, um, one of my prayer partners. Like I love her so dear. I, I could go on and on and on about the things about this woman, but I love her so dearly um, and definitely wanted to bring her on to tell her journey. Jo- tell her journey. I can't say anything tonight. What is going on? <laughs> Words can be um, hard sometimes. <laughs> but give her story and her experience and tell her journey with breast cancer um, and how she um, she's a survivor, how she's living, how she is thriving now. So again, I could spend hours doing an introduction for this moment. Yeah. So let me, let me pipe down real quick. Um, the one, the only, the gracious, <laughs> Sheila, I love you so much. Sheila Bella. Hello, hello, hello. Britt, Jack, Jack. That's right. They don't call you Jack, Jack, but, uh, <laughs> Hey, Jack, Jack, that's my girl. Good to be here. Good to be here. And I mean that. When I say good to be here now, it has a whole nother meaning. It has a whole nother tone. Mm. Because anyone who has gone through who's a survivor, anyone who's still going through who's a warrior, and when they say that it's a blessing to still be here, they mean it. Everyone goes through their own journey. And I remember when I first heard that I was being diagnosed and then I got the diagnosis and then I got the prognosis and I was thinking, so how does this all work? And I learned really quickly that the journey is different for everyone. Mm -hmm. Just because I may have breast cancer and you may have breast cancer, five other people may have breast cancer. It is all different. And how you deal with it and how you process it and where you take your headspace is that's the piece that's gonna get you through. Because there's some people who get it. And in the world that we have lived in for years, most people immediately think of it as a death sentence. Where we are in 2022, that's just not the case. And the words that you really want to hear, the transparent moment is, this is fixable. That there, there is something that we can do that will get you through this. That there is a treatment for it. And you may have to go through the challenges of losing hair. You may have to go through the challenge of being weak and losing weight and 
taking chemotherapy treatment and taking radiation and taking medication and making sure that you've got the proper insurance and making sure that you've got the right people to support you and making sure that you can be somewhere where you can be safe and where you can be quiet and where you can be peaceful and where you can have quiet time. Those are vital moments that you don't even think about until you're in the middle and about to maybe two, three ways into it that you realize this is real. And for me, it's so interesting when I think back before I was diagnosed, I was laying in my bed two, three years before I was diagnosed and I felt something in my left breast. Wasn't even sure what it was, but I knew something wasn't right, but I was young and didn't want to deal with it. So life kept going. So when I was at the radio station, a familiar friend, Carrie Warwick, who used to work there, she was actually pulling together a health fair on the south side of the James in Richmond, Virginia. And she says, uh, Charlottesville, UVA, they're bringing in a mammogram bill. Come on over and get your mammogram. And when she said that, my inner conscious told me, you know what's going to happen. I knew. I just, I knew what's going to happen. I didn't want to, but I knew I had to stop playing games. So I reluctantly agreed. I went to the mammogram bill. I walked up two steps. I got inside. There was a woman sitting right across from me, right when I walked into the door. I did not know her. And I looked at her and I said, my life is about to change forever. I wanted to know why some people who get COVID-19 get it so bad. I found out it may be because they have a high risk factor such as heart disease, diabetes, being overweight, smoking, and asthma. Even if symptoms feel mild, these factors can increase your risk of COVID-19 turning severe. So if you're at high risk and test positive, there are things you can do, like asking your healthcare provider if an authorized oral treatment is right for you. Learn about an option at treatcovid19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer. And she just looked at me and tilted her head, but I knew And being the proactive person that I am, being the outspoken person that that I am, and being the compassionate person that I am, even towards myself, sometimes I just speak it for what it is. So when I I said that, they told me that I was next up. They uh, took three or four images of me, and I saw two dots. I asked the nurse, I said, so what are the dots? And the lady says, well, we're, we're not really sure right now. Right. And uh, we're going to let the doctor let you know what's going on. After all of the images that they have taken, they know good and well what is what is. But I understand that they're not going to tell you what's going on. But um, they said if something's going on, that they will call you back. And that was on a Saturday. And they called me on that Wednesday. And they said, we would like for you to come in for more uh, images to be taken. So I did. And um, when I actually walked out of that mammogram bill, they said, this is pretty crucial. They said, where do you want us to send your images to your doctor here in Richmond or, and I said, where are you guys located? They said, UVS, I said, send it up there. I did not want to deal with anything, anybody with anyone in Richmond because Richmond is so small. And when you start thinking about when you start walking around downtown or anywhere, hey, Sheila Bell, hey, Sheila Bell, yeah, I work at MCV. I work, mm-hmm. I'm like, uh-uh, we're not doing that. So I was just trying to make sure that I was feeling less stress, already knowing that what I was about to deal with, not knowing how deep it was going to be, but that I was going to have to deal with something. So I got the images sent up there. And when I got up there, I think maybe two days later, it was the beginning of, all right, let's take some images. I was cool initially. 
Didn't you just take some images? They taking more images? Yeah, because that's the initial, oh, we, we see something. So we need to send these up to the doctor. Okay. So we sent them up to UVA. So now they want to take some more in- images because now they want to take the front. They want to take the side. They want to take the up. They want to take the down. They want to take a, bu- they want to do all of that. So by the time they got to image 15, 16, it, it hit me that this is getting real. Mm-hmm. And I had to take a minute and it just hit me like that. Uh, and all they took 52 images. And when I walked out of there, uh, I just had to sit down and take a minute. It was a lot that happened probably in that next two week span when I talked to the doctor and things that they wanted to do. Here's a really good learning point, though, for anyone who is listening. When you are diagnosed with cancer, breast cancer, a doctor can tell you anything. Do your due diligence to do some type of reading to ask some questions and get a second opinion. Because if you are someone of a darker complexion versus a doctor who may be of a lighter complexion, they may think that we can recommend what we think is best to you because of whatever reasons. And that may not be the best case for you. And I found myself in that situation where I was given limited um, options of what to do starting with how they wanted to treat me and and what they wanted to do as far as surgery and what they were doing initially, they wanted to do two surgeries on me before they even got to the tumor. I'm like, this is, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But But when the doctor said to me, Oh, don't worry about anything. We'll take care of it. And I'll make the decisions for you. And my initial thought was you have no idea who you're dealing with. And I, I really wanted to go that route. But I had to keep it in check because I was I still needed to be alert. I still mm-hmm. needed to hear what was going on. I needed to pay attention to every little thing, all facts, all periods, everything that was crossed so I wouldn't miss anything. So what happened when I got there after we went through all the treatments and even in the medications that they gave me, I passed out once even at the radio station. Yes, but yeah, that was it was so many different things for me. My my situation was so crazy Mm -hmm. because the medication that they gave me that was supposed to numb, it didn't actually hit until later in the afternoon when I was on the air. So what the medication, I could feel this warmth coming across my chest and I was just I just zoned on out, passed on out on the floor. And before I knew it, there were like three, four people in the studio looking up a paramedics chair, the whole uh, little thing and the four men. How'd they get all those people in that little studio, right? <laughs> they were going to take me away. And then Claudia came in and she put this cold towel across me and I kind of came back too. But all of that happened in the first two weeks after getting diagnosed. All of that happened in the first two weeks. So- and then, but, wait, wait, wait. but then in that same two weeks, here's the silver lining. The They had put a port in me and after the port that they put in me, maybe about two weeks after that, the port leaked. And as messed up as it was, that was the silver lining because had the port not leaked, I would have been stuck at UVA and the treatment route that they were going. And I'm glad that it leaked because Mm -hmm. it leaked and I ended up going to the hospital and I had a blood wound infection and I had a wound infection, a blood infection. I had Mercer and I was in the hospital for some time. It's like they were able to they ended up taking the port out of me because Mm -hmm. it was infected. And Mm. then the doctor said, whoever put this in you, they put it too far over this way. They should have put it over this way. And believe it or not, when I was there, when they put the port in me, I was awake 
they put they sent me in this operating what? room. There were two young guys. One had dark hair. I remember this. And they said, as they're operating on you, putting the port in you, look through this blue tent. It was a little window to my left. And there was a woman who was going to be standing there waving at me the whole time. So there's a woman that I'm looking at who's waving at me while the men are cutting hair. They put a port in. And before I knew it, it was over and done with. And I got my first chemo the first day at UVA. But less than two weeks after I got that chemo, it leaked. And that's when everything broke loose and everything just kind of like fell apart after that. But after we went in the hospital, they took the port out and uh, I was on vancomycin, which is an extremely strong medicine after I got out of the hospital. Um, I, I kind of pushed through that. But one other thing, while they took the port out and they took, um, I had the medicine before I got out of the hospital, we still had to figure out how I was going to get my other chemotherapy treatment. So I'm not going to get another port put in me. So they said, we can put a pick line and you at least get the medication. So what you're supposed to do is put a pick, a pick line. This is a little line that they insert into your arm. They run it up your arm and hmm. it comes this way and then it dumps in you. But they're supposed to numb the area. So they because of the, they're going to put a pick line in you. So it's, it's kind of like taking an ink pen. Mm. And then they run a line through that and then they run it up your vein and through you. They're supposed to, the keywords here are numb the area mm -hmm. because I fainted before Whoa. and the medication that they gave me, some type of uh, medication, this was on my record. So they couldn't use that where I was now being transported and treated, which was not UVA. It was now in Richmond. So because they couldn't figure out what to do, they didn't put anything on me properly. So they put a pick line in my arm with no medication. And it felt like someone took an ink pen and jabbed it in my arm. I had never felt that much pain in my life that I was numb, like numb in La La Land, mm -hmm. numb. And when I finally got it together, I think the scream came later. It was it was the weirdest thing. Anyway, we wow. got the pick line in, life went on. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too. If you feel symptoms, even if they're mild, you should test fast. Test positive and at high risk for severe COVID-19? Then act fast with authorized oral treatments that can be taken at home and must be taken within five days from when symptoms begin. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too by asking your healthcare provider if an oral treatment is right for you. Learn about a treatment option at TreatCV19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer. The first treatment for chemo wasn't bad. The, the second treatment for our chemo, uh, it wasn't it wasn't bad. I was starting to lose my taste by then. Uh, little pieces of hair were starting to come out a little bit by oh, there. Real quick, Sheila, you said you started to lose your taste. I think that's something that we should kind of address a little bit because I have never heard... I didn't know that that was a thing. Me that, either. Me for either. chemotherapy? Yeah. yeah I'm not aware of that. For, for most people who have chemotherapy, most people usually lose their taste and their taste buds. A lot of people usually cannot eat. And I did find it interesting. A few friends that I do have who went through this, they were able to eat some foods. I thought that I thought that was interesting. They mm -hmm. were able to eat some foods. They were able to go out to restaurants and all the good stuff like that. 
when I had um, my first treatment, I was able to eat a little bit. I was doing okay until the second week, third week. And after the third week, the taste buds just went out the window. And by the second um, chemotherapy treatment, I was able to eat on the day that I got treatment. So I was starting to be in this downward spiral of losing weight. I mean, in all my whole journey, I lost 85 pounds. And it got very concerning for the doctors because every time I went, I was I was losing weight. One, because I couldn't eat. Two, if I tried to eat anything, I couldn't keep it down. Three, it was so bad for me trying to keep stuff down. Water is not my number one drink. And when I can add lemon to it, that's great as well. But even when I was in the studio, uh, not supposed to have it years ago, but I was trying to drink some cold water. I had the cold water. The water came back up cold. So that's how messed up my system was. But again, when I had the second chemotherapy treatment, I was weak, but I was still moving a little bit. I was coming to the station. I was I was treading along. But it was the third chemo, the third chemotherapy treatment that that was the booger that. Yes, that was that that sucker right there. That that third one, the -hmm. third chemotherapy treatment was the one that I didn't think I was going to make it. And there and there were two days that I just I was here thinking Mm-mm. and even in the middle of that, right before I started all this stuff, God had dropped into my lap to do this program called The Gift. And The Gift was a program that I was pulling together to help honor cancer survivors and also caretakers. So while I was sick, I was still planning this program. And I'm glad that I did because it gave me something to focus on. It gave me something to do, even though I was weak, but it gave me a safe space of something where I could actually put my energies and think about doing something for others, knowing that the end result would be, hey, people will come together and this can be a blessing to other people. So that was a good thing, even though my pastor said, are you sure about this? But it was that third treatment that was really, really, really tough. And and I just didn't think it was going to happen. But I got through it. Speaking of spaces, Sheila, you know, you're going through all of this, you know, what were the the people in your life, how, your family, friends, loved ones? How, how was those? How were those conversations? Let me let me support? share this with you, which is why I don't have to speak about a lot of people. I initially told my brother, and my brother had very few words. I told my sister. My sister refused to accept it. She says, "No, nah, you're gonna be okay. You're gonna be okay." Mm-hmm. I told my niece, and my niece broke down. I told my nephew, my nephew was in shock and they were sort of looking like, not you, other people. Yeah, but you're Sheila Bell. This can't happen to you. But after my niece broke, but after my nephew broke, I said, I can't tell anybody else because they they did not handle it well at all. And a lot of my family, how they look at me, unfortunately, is kind of like those who see me through the lens of the public, hey, that's Sheila Bell. So they forget that I'm human and they forget that my mother had bone cancer and I saw my mom just kind of wither away. But after my brother, my sister, my niece and my nephew, I, I just couldn't. So it was really interesting that you asked that because I was diagnosed in um, July of 2016. I went through treatment towards the end of 2016 into 2017. But by the time we had that program, which was in December 2016, it was just really interesting how the people, when they came to this program, the gift that I was in the middle of, they didn't know. But let me back up a little bit, because 
what's kind of interesting is the third treatment was was really, really rough. Uh, after those two days, I got through those two days and I said, OK, we're going to we're going to push through this. So it was now time to go get the fourth chemotherapy treatment. I was probably down at that time, maybe about 70 pounds. And the doctors were getting concerned, like she can't put on weight. She's not putting on weight and all this good stuff. So I got my fourth treatment. After the fourth treatment, I asked them, I said, I know I'm supposed to have six treatments. Maybe we can have five. They said, well, maybe maybe we can do five treatments. We'll see. So when it was time for the fifth treatment, and I'm excited because this is going to be the last one. I called my aunt and my and my uncle up. They're coming because they knew this has been a struggle. So they were coming to support me. But when they got to the hospital, anytime when you have treatment and they're putting anything in your arm, they need to make sure that there is blood returning on the line that they're pushing stuff in. There was no blood return. They could not get any type of return. So when they got there, the doctor said, I don't know if this is going to happen. And then the nurse says, I don't think this is going to happen. And then they had to take the treat. They had to take the pick line out of me. That was that was a really big deal. But after they took the pick line out of me, they sent me over to the emergency room because they wanted to make sure I didn't have any types of infections or anything like that. And uh, we we pushed through. Damn. And uh, I I did what I needed to do. I trusted God. Yeah. And I said, hey, God, if, if this is the way it's going to be, this is the way it's going to be, but I'm going to trust you. And uh, we had to wait for me to go through the, to get the MRI to find out exactly where I was with the treatment of the chemotherapy and just, and how much it had actually taken care of. So when we, then we had to wait a couple of weeks for the insurance to approve the MRI. We finally got the approval. So I went there, I was about to go through the nurse said, do you mind if I pray for you? Come on, somebody. Yes. How about that? So the nurse prays for me. And before I even went in there, I took this picture and I said, this is going to be the picture that I'm going to use to let everybody know that I no longer have cancer. Mm. And I went in there, the nurse prayed for me and uh, we got that done. It was done like maybe Monday or Tuesday. We were waiting for the results. And uh, she called me on that Friday and I missed the call and I had to call her back. And I said, Carol, did you call? She said, yes, yeah, Sheila, we got the results back. And I uh, just want you to know, baby, you go ahead and enjoy your Christmas because we couldn't find any cancer. There it is. And that was a blessing. So there's no cancer. And and I got I only had four um, chemotherapy treatments, but then I had to have the radiation treatments after that. And the difference is and the reason I kind of went through this piece of kind of breaking this down, because sometimes the doctors will say, hey, let's do the surgery first. And if you've got a big tumor in you, they want to take the big uh, tumor out first. They're taking a lot more out of you than they need to, including breast mm -hmm. tissue. Wow. So if you get the chemotherapy done first, it reduces the size of the of the of the tumor of the tumor. Also, the radiation will reduce the size of the tumor. So by the time they're trying to take out the tumor, my tumor this time by the time they got to it was about the size of a quarter. Versus when they started, it was almost over two inches long. <clears throat> That's a big tumor, how it was and how it was reduced. But I had to be an advocate for myself to let the nurse and the doctors where I was knowing I'm not feeling what you guys are talking about. And then when I got everything done here and had to when my port leaked and had to be taken to the hospital and then that was given other options and I didn't know everything else that they were telling me. 
I was like, wow, I didn't know that. So that that leak was a blessing in disguise because I could have gone one direction and the direction that I ended up going in was not the direction I originally wanted to go in, but I'm glad that I did. And I would not have known that had I not experienced that leak. Sheila, what has life been like since um, coming out on the other side? Um, you know, finding out that you had breast cancer, going through the chemo, the radiation, hearing that you're cancer free. What has life been like on that other side? And what are some other like preventative steps have you done since that, that, that you know, since I'm going to ask her, I'm going to go to you for, for Jackie. Let me, let me, let me share this with you. When I originally found out, I went to a church of the South side and I asked this, a pastor, Victor Torres. I said, I want prayer. I want God to give me a miraculous healing so I can tell everybody God healed me and I can tell the world. And that didn't happen. Hmm. The reason it didn't happen is because God wanted me to go through the process of what I went through. There are lots of things that I learned about God. There are lots of things that I learned about how real God was. There are lots of things that I realized about how we live today. It's not even worth it. Getting caught up in the world, how people are trying to appease people, please people, all these other things we're trying to do. God is more important. He is bigger than all of that. And because of what I went through, it allowed my relationship with God to grow in such a way it would have never gone had I gotten that miraculous healing. So because mm -hmm. I went through and I went through the stages and I went through some challenges, I went through growth. I went through spiritual growth to be on the other side now. And now I'm speaking and now I'm preaching and now I'm teaching and now I'm growing and now I'm encouraging and now I'm enlightening. And now I'm showing other people that you can too. Yeah. That's how life has been. Preventative measures. Oh, I see why. You know, preventative measures. Okay. If you live in 22011, if you live in Hollywood, if you live out in India, it doesn't matter. If I'm coming to get you, buddy, I'm coming to get you. There's mm -hmm. some healthy people out here. And out of the blue, they find out that they have cancer. It's It just makes no sense. But what you can do by getting a mammogram, you can find out really early if there's something there. Because you can live in a great neighborhood, but there's some pollution in the air that can cause problems. There's so mm -hmm. many different types of cancer. But if you have that mammogram and it says, hey, there's a spot, we can get that spot nice and early. We can get it out, suck it out, cut it out, whatever we need to do, live your life, eat healthy. Try to make sure that, that you eat a Jackie Page healthy diet. Making sure that you're on the Jackie Page, working out on the on the lifting up the weights and working out and working the thighs and the butt. I mean, exercise is key. Exercise is key. Eating healthy is key. I mean, making sure that you're taking care of yourself is key. But it's just amazing, even though you're healthy, that cancer can still come down your door and knock on the ring on the doorbell and say, hey, it, it's time. But you just do your due diligence to make sure that you take care of you the best that you know how. Go, Sheila. Like, a um, word, a message. Let's a go. word. Absolutely a word. And I think Sheila's story and everything she said, but, you know, in her relationship with God, I think that even speaks to the Dharma talk. Life meets you where you're at. And Dharma talk. How do you how do you show up? <laughs> and Sheila, you showed up and showed out. But, you absolutely. know, when, when, when you go through something like this, I, I cannot press this enough. You have to take care of your headspace. You have to do it. Mm -hmm. My sister came in the door one day and she says, oh, at work. This, I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I, you, you don't have space for negativity. None at all. Mm -hmm. When I came down the street and saw, I, no, 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 no. You, you, you cannot do that. You have to have a good, clear space. And I'm telling you, when I was going through 
I was in this spiritual bubble where I felt so protected and I had never felt that close to God in my life. Mm. It was a safe space. And as I started getting better and I was able to eat food a little bit more, it was almost letting me know it's almost time to come out of the spiritual bubble. Mm-hmm. And you almost don't want to do it because this world out here is not very nice. It's not very friendly. Right. People are not very kind. People are not gracious. Everybody's in a rush. People want to be heard more so than being understood. People want us to hear them, but we don't want to hear them. This Mm. is where we are in this world. And we wonder why we got the jacked up crap that we have in our own individual lives because of the mess that we're putting out. And we don't want to give anybody love. It's all about us, a narcissistic world. Sheila, you always come with it, okay? Always. You never disappoint. Volumes of I'm over here like, can we get a collection plate going? (laughs) Volumes. The the Um, words that are being dropped right now in the gyms, like that's real. Not only, you know, talking about like your journey, but just in general, everybody's journey. Like, whew, gyms right now. Come on. Like you said earlier, Sheila, everybody's journey is different. So what are some some walkaways from this jacket that you think people can walk away with? And maybe some homework they can do on their own. I think the first thing, um, and this is kind of to what Sheila was saying, is get that mammogram. Go. If you you feel something, if you have a question, if you have some nerves about something, if something doesn't feel right, if something doesn't look right, go get it checked out. Um, Early early detection is is so pivotal and so vital. Um, So, you know, go get it checked out early and take your family. Make sure, you know, your mom, your dad, your sister, your uncle, um, because breast cancer isn't just affecting women, it's affecting men as well. So we got to talk about that. We got to talk yeah, about taking, that. taking a loved one to the doctor yeah. to make sure that they are getting checked out as well. This doesn't need to be a you thing. It needs to be a us thing. You know, we're talking about taking back our community. The only way we can take back our community is if we reach out to those around us. One conversation and, at a time. Yeah. Um, I think some other some other things, I think, like Sheila said, seek multiple evaluations um, from multiple mm. doctors, get multiple perspectives, because like she said, certain skin complexions don't get the best advice. And so, you know, what know what operating, know what society that you operate in. Then. Um, and shout out to everybody um, listening to this who may not be struggling with breast cancer, but have a family member struggling with them. As Sheila said, she felt a sense of maybe I can't tell my family members this. So for people listening to this, um, I encourage you to try to develop a language to make your family members feel safe and heard when they are going through something. Yeah. I think that's really important, um, especially yeah. my brothers out there. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot of women, men and women deal with this. But for my brothers who have loved ones dealing with this, make them feel safe. Yeah. Um, Can I just add something right there? Because yeah. while while we go through and people have gone through, sometimes people don't know what to say to someone who's going through. And there were a couple of folks at my church. And I said, I didn't hear from you. I said, love, love, we're good. But why? Just just tell me why. And I gave them that safe space. And everyone said, I didn't know what to say. I, I didn't know how to respond. And even though I told my brother, my sister, my niece, and my nephew, I did have that program, uh, the gift. It was at St. Paul's Baptist Church. And when I went, I could barely walk and help, help walking into the church. And I sent out a, a text and an email to some family members and I said, this is personal. I've never asked you guys to come to anything. But when I walked in the church, I had family members. They did not know what they were walking into because I did not tell them anything. And Ja'Kaitlyn Carr, 
You guys know her, gospel recording artist, Ja'Kalen Carr and her dad, they came to that program to support me. And she performed and she sung along with Cora Harvey Armstrong and also Almeida Ingram. But when I came out, there was a gasp in the church because they had not seen an 85 pound lighter cousin, mm. niece. And when I walked in and when I said that I was on the pulpit, they just gasped. I needed a minute and I apologized. I said, I love you all, but I, I had to handle it this way because any other way I couldn't handle it. And I had to take care of me. And they were just crying and they said they understood. I could see them there that they is. understood. So when yeah. you love somebody, love them enough so they can take care of themselves. Okay, and I it's OK that. to reach out to send them a text. But if you don't know what to say, just send them an emoji thinking of you. Mm, that's real. Everybody's journey is different. So about to close it out. Um, okay, real quick, Britt, Sheila, um, drop your social media where people can find you at, because I'm sure they're one of our 365ers um, may have some additional questions. They may want to learn more about you, your journey. Um, and we may have a 365 365er who is actually going through this right now and may need some more encouragement. So where can people find you at on social? They can find me on Instagram at The Bell Report. That's T-H-E-B-E-L-L-E Report. Also Instagram, The Bell Report. T-H-E-B-E-L-L-E Report. And on Facebook, I am at Sheila Bell. Sheila, thank you so much. Love you, love you, love you. Um, You know, I think this was um, the perfect way to really go into Breast Cancer Awareness Month and talk about breast cancer. Um, this is not a one-time episode. We will be talking about this again. We are actually making this a series. Uh, we will be bring, bringing a doctor on um, from the University of Maryland Capital Region Health to talk about breast cancer. Um, so if you have any questions about breast cancer, go ahead and shoot it over to us on our IG at BH365Podcast. Again, that is BH365 h365 podcast we want to make sure that any and all questions that you have um, that we get those answered because we do understand like this isn't something that we need to play around with anymore it's real it's happening in our community and kind of like sheila said if we can detect it early you can be on the other side of this thing so any and all questions hit us up on instagram uh brit do we have any resources that we can give the 365ers who Sheila, do you have any recommendations on resources that people can give out? Yeah, they can reach me at the Bell Report, (laughs) T-H-E-B-E-L-L-E Report. And I'll be more than happy because really when you go through something like this, the most important thing you have to do is have your head space together. There it is. You have to have your head space together. Another quick resource is Sisters by Choice and BrandsCancer.org as well. So 365ers, this was a phenomenal, powerful testimony great conversation sheila thank you so much again check us out at bh365 podcast my name is Bree daniels i'm jackie page and we will catch you for another episode of the black health 365 podcast y'all be great peace namaste and love black health 365 is an urban one and reach media production hosted by jackie page and Britt daniels created by samuel tatum and laura lopez executive produced by Brittany jackson and kadisha campbell editing and production jahi whitehead sales and corporate sponsorship patty johnson